to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 413 of the podcast. Yes, yes, the little Lebowski Urban Achievers, and glad we are of all of that. Today... We are going to be talking about Jason Bateman, Aretha Franklin. We continue our uh, shapology with a look at Fred Silverman and his fight with Saturday Night Live. And we get ever closer to the end of our very painful summer with a look at Super Super Geniuses 2, which, uh, wow, greatest movie I've ever seen. Can't wait to just slather it with praise. Yes. Uh, one, good thing, one good thing I can say about this week's movie, it does feature a scene where Scott Bayo gets punched in the face. That so, is always nice. Yeah, that is a positive. So, hooray. Nothing makes me happier uh, than seeing Scott Bayo get punched in the face. Yes, absolutely. So this should be an exciting episode. Let's just get to it. Bunny! Yes! A 40-year-old Trump supporter was in Tijuana recently where he went with his two-year-old son and ten-month-old daughter to murder them with a spear because he was convinced that his wife was a lizard person who passed alien lizard DNA onto his children. Now, that was a very heavy sentence. Would you... Is that... Did I lose you? You break it up a bit. I've got that going. Uh, did you hear my intro to this bit? I, I heard the setup. I didn't hit the, hear the punchline. Okay. I'm going to go through that again. Okay. Uh, a 40-year-old Trump-supporting QAnon believer named Matthew Coleman was arrested in Tijuana recently, where he went with his two-year-old son and ten-month-old daughter to murder them with a spear because he believed that he was a lizard person who passed alien lizard DNA onto his children. That is a very heavy sentence, Bunny. I end up that for you. Very heavy sentence? What, what's it do for me? No, would you like this? My internet fuck is... I don't know. 
I don't know. The internet just sucks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I might be down with that. I might be down with that. I don't know, because this internet, as it is right now, just sucks. Uh, would you like me to repeat ears? any of that? Yeah, we need. I need to get up on the roof and just move the antenna around, because that's the, the technology I'm using out here. Uh, that sentence was a heavy one, Bunny. Would you like me to repeat that for you? Oh, yes, please. Okay, so a Trump supporting QAnon believer named Matthew Coleman got his two very young kids, took them to Tijuana and stabbed them to death with a spear because he was convinced that his wife was a secret alien lizard person who had given his children alien lizard DNA and that his children would grow up to be monsters so he killed them to save the planet yes so uh, first off wow thank you for saving us Matthew I would have hated for your children to grow up to become hideous monsters and kill us all so really the guy is a hero yeah uh, Matthew Taylor Coleman, because murderers have three names. They always Matthew do. Taylor Coleman owned... They always do. They always do. Matthew Taylor Coleman owned a surfing school in Santa Barbara and told police that by killing his kids, he was saving the world from monsters. He killed his own children, and then here's, here's what I think is the punchline. He then tried to illegally cross the border, and I'm so sick and tired of white people coming over here illegally and taking all of our jobs yes we need to build a wall to keep the white people out that's what i think uh, uh anywho i'm glad this story made the news because a lot of parents nowadays are very worried they've been coming up to me and they've been saying steve you gotta help me are my children lizard people have my kids been in infected by my partner with alien DNA and what country is best for stabbing my alien monster children with spears well fear not America because the Pope on film podcast is here I have come up with some questions that you the listener you the viewer can ask your children to ascertain whether your kids are secretly alien lizard people. Yes. So, uh, I've just, just, just some really easy, simple questions, and you ask these questions, and that is how you figure out whether your kids are alien lizard people. Uh, and we will try out. Uh, hey, Maxwell. Can you come here for a sec? Okay, just come here. Come here. Uh, come here. Come here. Come here. Hi, Maxwell. Hi. Uh, you doing good? Yeah. Good, good, good. How old are you again? 14? No, I'm, I'm nine. You're nine. One month uh, after this month, I'm going to be 10. Ah, the big 1-0. Oh. Uh, that's a Double big digits. one. Double digits. Very proud of you. Yes. You're so old. You're getting so old, Maxwell. Okay. So I've, so I've got some, some questions. So what are you doing? Um, right now. About to eat lunch? Yeah. 
Cool. You know what I want to do? What? Lay on a hot, flat rock, totally naked, and just bask in the heat. Does that sound good to you, Maxwell? No, I would turn into a chicken nugget. Oh, okay. A human's head okay. chicken nugget. So you're about to eat. Yes. So, 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 I have a question for you. What would you like to eat? Chicken nuggets <coughs> or, hear me out, crickets? Nope. I no think crickets. both of them sound good. Which one would you like? Chicken nuggets or crickets? Chicken oh, man. Nuggets, are you sure? The no. crickets sound yummy. No. How about flies? No. No? I, I no small defense. I believe there is video evidence of Maxwell eating crickets before. And it is a good point. I do have video of you eating a cricket. I was eating it too. Okay, you got me there. Okay. Um, ah, hold on a second. I'm just scratching. My scales really itch right now. It, do you ever have that problem, Maxwell? Do your scales ever itch? No, you don't have scales. I don't have scales. No one in this house mm. has scales. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Hey, Maxwell, I love you. I love you very much. Once you know that, son, I love you. You know what else I love? Yeah. Uh, secretly belonging to the class Reptilia. I mean, <coughs> Soros and Hillary. <coughs> high five! <coughs> no high five? No high five for our leader, George Soros? And Hugo Chavez, which is trying to institute uh, a, a global, global rule? Who are those people? The New World Order? People. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, nothing? No. Hillary Clinton, high five. No. Eating babies, no? No. <coughs> okay, good. You passed the test. Come here. You passed the test. You passed the test. You're not an alien lizard person. Give me a hug. Bring it in. There you go. Okay, you're not a lizard person. You can go eat lunch now. And see, it's that easy, parents. Just some. Just some very simple questions. You ask that to your kids, and that way you ascertain whether they have been infected with the evil alien DNA. If they have, just get yourself some spears, apparently. I, I, I think we, we get the spear gun anyway, just to be on the safe side. Just to be on the safe side, <coughs> yes. He seemed, never little, be... he seemed a little evasive on some of those questions. He seemed very upset with some of the questions. Almost too upset. Like, maybe he was upset that I was questioning his loyalty to the evil alien overlords. But you know what? We, I'm glad that... I am that... not a lizard! Okay. Okay. Of course, that's what a lizard would say, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Even if you were, I would love my alien son. When I said that, I, I was going for a Heather's reference, and I don't know if anybody got that, but... I yeah. love my alien son. You know? Bella gets it, so that's good. Okay, so that's all you gotta do to ascertain whether your kids are alien lizard people. So you're welcome. <laughs> and cut and cut on that. Bunny! Yes. <coughs> this is our eleventh week of our summer long deep dive into IMDB's list of the one hundred worst movies of all time. And wow, this is the next to last episode of our of our season long summer of bottoming. And wow, this has been difficult. I never 
I, I thought this would be a lot more fun. You know? Yeah. Watching a bunch of bad movies, but uh, instead it's just been an uphill climb into the center of beautiful scenic shit. It has not been fun. It has, it has not, not been, been fun. If I ever if I ever see Madonna in person, I just spa in the nuts. Yeah. So anyway, at the top but, of to, but to be honest, at the top of the show, Madonna, I was likely to do that anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Who? At the top of the show, discuss uh, one of the large number of movies in IMDb's bottom 100 that we won't be doing because there's not a hundred weeks in a summer, but there are 104 days of summer vacation and school comes along just to end it. Anyway, this week we are going to be discussing the 1985 sequel Teen Wolf 2 starring Jason Bateman. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Michael J. Fox wanted to be in Back to the Future, but there was a scheduling conflict and so as Steven Spielberg started filming Back to the Future with their star, Eric Stoltz, Michael J. Fox was also on the Universal lot about to finish being Teen Wolf. And Michael J. Fox was once quoted as saying, look at that, Spielberg is here making art, and I'm here making a fucking werewolf movie. <laughs> so Michael J. Fox, not a fan of the Teen Wolf movies, but to be fair, where he was doing werewolf shit, it took like four to six hours to put on all of the werewolf outfit. You know, because back in the day it took so long with like the spirit gum and all of that shit and to put all the, the fucking... Now you just yeah. all do that with CGI, but back in the day you'd just be piling on all the crap in your face. And he just absolutely... Fox finishes his werewolf movie as Bat starts filming, continues filming. And we all know what happened next with Back to the Future, but the gist is the creators of the low-budget teen werewolf movie said, okay, we finished this movie, and Jesus, this movie is lame. This movie is dumb. Plus, Michael J. Fox isn't a big enough star to get people to come to the theater to watch this turd burger we made. So you know what? We're just going to shelve Teen Wolf. I don't know if we're ever going to release this movie because no one is going to ever want to come and see Michael J. Fox in a werewolf movie. So they shelve Teen Wolf, and then they fire Eric Stoltz as the star of Back to the Future, and they hire Michael J. Fox. Back to the Future comes out, it's a big hit, and the Teen Wolf people go, wait, Michael J. Fox is a huge star now? Quick, let's release our shitty Michael J. Fox movie. So Back to the Future came out in July of 1985, and Teen Wolf was quickly rushed out the next month, August of 1985. Teen Wolf cost $1.2 million to make, and ended up making $80 million solely by piggybacking on the success of Back to the Future. If Back to the Future hadn't come out, who knows if we ever would have seen the movie Teen Wolf, and yeah. who knows if 
it ever did see the life the light of day if it even was a success but teen wolf made such money that the filmmaker said quick let's rush another shitty teen wolf movie but michael j fox said hell no not on your freaking life so the filmmakers needed another young cheap tv sitcom star so they went with jason bateman and 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 to be clear this is yeah it does make sense but to be clear, this is a rushed sequel to an already not that good film. The only people to return from the first film were the dad and the fat guy who also played Francis in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The only two people okay. that returned from the first. It's like Delta House all yes. over again. Who returned? Who returned the adult in charge and the fat one? It's just like, it's just like Delta House. So, Teen Wolf Two is basically the exact same movie, except in this film, Michael J. Fox's cousin Todd goes to college, and it's the exact same thing, except in this film, instead of basketball, apparently he's going to college on a boxing scholarship. Is that even a fucking thing? I, I don't know, but I think that they missed the golden opportunity not making it badminton. Ooh, yeah, could have been badminton or collegiate bowling. I know that's a thing. Yes. I've never heard of collegiate boxing before. You know, I've never seen a college boxing team. This is all very confusing to me. Anyway, the movie is shit. Uh... Fun fact, they were all set to do a third Teen Wolf movie, which would have starred Alyssa Milano as a girl uh, trying out for a football team. But Teen Wolf <coughs> 2 cost $3 million to make, and it only made $7 million in the box office, so Teen Wolf 3 was canceled. Teen Wolf 2 is number 90 on the IMDb Bottom 100, right in front of Turkey Zone. Reset, Eva D5. Really? And with all of the talk we've done about re- Yeah, with all of the talk we have done about Reset, Eva D this summer on the podcast, I really hope that one day I'm able to find a dub or a sub of a Reset, Eva D movie and be able to watch it on the podcast because Lord knows who are clamoring for a podcast talk about Reset, Eva D. That is what we have learned. A lot of people uh, tuning in to this podcast to hear Recep Eva Deke discussions. This is correct. I, I feel like I'm lagging like five or ten seconds ahead of you, Bonnie. Like, it, I'll say something and then like this. Yes. See? See, that was crazy. That was crazy. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, next week is our last week of the summer of bottoming. And thank fucking God. I can't imagine how bad next week's movie is going to be if this week was only number two. So, yeah. you know, I'm just praying that we and, get through this summer in one week. And it was, a, it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Jesus Christ. 
but I figured out something shocking about really? one person, there is one person who has appeared in multiple movies on this list and I 100% figured out why and it is a shocking twist I figured out a, an exclusive about someone in this week's movie it's going to blow your mind good because frankly it's gonna blow your mind it's going to tie the whole summer together I, I was kind of wondering about it and I was trying well, I to think, figure out the connection with this particular person. I figured something out, and I'm really proud that I'm, I'm blowing the lid off this. But that's later. That's in Act 3. We're still in Act 1. So next week, we are going to be in, in, the, in Act 1. We're going to be taking a look at all 12 movies we've done this week. And we're going to give them little reviews. You know, like I'll mention a movie we did going to be talking about the changes in numbers because the IMDB bottom 100 is an ever-changing thing and one of the movies that we saw this summer isn't on the list anymore really yeah and that's gonna be that's that's gonna be some shocking news so yeah because the the list is ever-changing I uh, there's a YouTube channel I think it's called I hate everything and they did a like three years ago. They they did the search for the worst, and they tried the movie on the IMDb 100. And yeah, I noticed there's a bunch of movies that that guy did on YouTube that just aren't on the list anymore. So it's an ever changing thing. So some new Bruce Willis movie went into the IMDb bottom 100. So we got to take something out. And so we're going to be discussing that. We're going to be discussing the movies that we've done a look back at our very painful summer. So join us next week for the shocking conclusion to our <coughs> summer of bottoming. Can't wait. And cut on that segment. It's a big lag. Huge lag. It's impressive. What's this? Um, I'm trying to move on to the next segment. Bunny! Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I am an AMC member, and what that means is I, I am signed up to a subscription service. Five a month, I get three free movies a week. And I'm still in the AMC list program because I'm grandfathered in. I signed up in 2018 and I got 19.95 a month. And there's a lot of other people in bigger seasons paying 24.95 a month or but I'm in a small city uh, in a small state so I'm and I'm grandfathered in so I'm still paying 19.95 a month and it's really great. And from December 28 2020, I saw a whopping 177 movies in a 66-week week period. Then the pandemic hit and movie theaters closed down, but now they're back open, and I'm watching two movies a week because Baby Steps. So it's time to talk new movies with Steve Stubbs of the Week! Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Thank you. So this episode represents my fifth, sixth, seventh, 
eighth week back. This is the number eight in sign language. And in that time, I have seen 16 movies in theaters, Baby Steps. So this week, I saw the following two movies in theaters. Free Guy, starring Deadpool, and the Aretha Franklin biopic, Respect. Now, every week I pick a Steve Stubbs movie pick of the week that I want to talk a lot about. But first, let's discuss the movie that was not chosen as the movie pick of the week. Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic. It stars Jennifer Hudson and and everyone's like, oh, a tremendous performance. Amazing. Our first real Oscar contender. Oh, she's going, to, she's going to win the Oscar for sure. What an amazing performance. And I guess we're all just collectively forgetting the fact that she was just in the goddamn Cats movie where she, was, she, she sang memories with an eternally rocky nose. She played a homeless cat in yes. one of the worst films of all time. And apparently we're just all forgetting that. We're just all forgetting the fact that she was a cat in one of the worst movies of all time. But... It's a a shame. uh, Whatever. It is a shame. I really like the logo for Steve Stubbs of the... I'm just noticing that. Thank you. That is... Hey, look at that. Wow. That looks nice. It's raining tickets. Oh, no. I'm being attacked. It needed its own visual thing. I like it. I like it. It's very... So pretty. Okay. So, respect. The Franklin movie. Your connection is unstable? No, you're unstable. Okay. So, the Aretha Franklin biopic. I knew nothing about Aretha Franklin movie. I knew her music, and that was it. I didn't know anything about her personal life. So uh, let me tell you something. She went through so much pain and suffering and, and spousal abuse and beatings and rape. She had such that when you find where she writes the song, and it becomes a hit. It's like the end of a rock movie. Yeah. And it's like, fucking yes. Okay. You deserve this, Aretha. Good for you. It was a good movie. I liked it. Especially since I knew nothing about her. It's all just new to me. But it was really good. And she was really believable as Aretha Franklin. And of course she had this. And uh, but let me tell you something weird that happened in the movie. Uh, uh, really bizarre. But so I'm watching the movie. The climax of the film, really emotional, really beautiful. The movie started. I. No, this was a thing, but it started like the whole time I've been watching a DVD. Okay. It was so, it was so weird. 
grabbed my phone out and started filming it. Because the goddamn movie was skipping during the climax. Yeah. And it really got me thinking. Yeah, it started skipping. It started like she was singing and it would freeze up and then continue. Just like a scratchy DVD and she singing. Ah! Ah! The weirdest thing. So I started filming it and I post on Twitter and it's like my movie is skipping. How is this even possible? And I really started thinking like I don't know how work back in the day there were reels but they don't do the reels anymore are they just downloading this onto a computer and then they're just playing it through a projector as far as I understand or, or yeah. for all I know maybe they just had bad internet when they were downloading for your some shit I don't fucking know it pissed me off and if you want to see if you don't believe me, I got freaking proof. Just go to twitter.com slash because it's all right there. The movie skipped, and it really brought me out of the movie when your movie starts to skip in a freaking movie theater. Yeah. Very upsetting to me, but uh, it was a really good movie until that happened. But, yeah, I, I, I'm scared to go see the movie a second time. Because it's like, what if it starts skipping again? That'll really piss me off. But, yeah, so that's when movie... I movie. Uh, uh, yeah, the skipping was really difficult. Titus, the gay black guy from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He, like, co-stars in the movie. That was really shocking. It was, really? I was glad to see him again. Yeah. Yeah, a surprising dramatic role for Titus Andromedon from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Good for him. He was really good in the movie, too. I thought that seeing this funny guy would bring me out of the movie, but he did a really good job. And finally, the Steve Stubbs movie pick of the week is Free Guy, the new movie starring uh, Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. Um, the premise is fucking stupid, but as long as you are able to get past the pretty stupid premise, this movie's a bunch of dumb fun, and I had a blast. Uh, it, I was surprised that the premise of the movie, they did a pretty good job hiding in, but the basic premise is, there are these two indie games video game and it's kind of like the sims except you don't play it the ai characters get to go off and make their own live their own lives okay uh <coughs> to go off and live their own sort of watch that unfold video game is bought by a big game developer but they shelve it and they never use it but then they released this new game called Free City, and it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto meets Fortnite. And uh, it's, it's just a city full of these people living their lives, and then you go and you're robbing banks and killing people, explosions and tanks and all of that. But 
a non-player NPC who works at the bank decides to just fight, not let the guy rob the bank and fight against the guy. And it, as it turns out, the, the big-time video game developer who bought this game and shelved it just used it as a basis for his new video game, which means that the possibility that all come to life and live their own lives. It's, it's a ridiculous premise, but once you get past that, it's a really fun movie, and there's a bunch of cameos in it and video game references, and a lot of famous YouTubers are in it. So I recognize two of them. So it was just a lot of, and there's a lot of nerdy references. I know that that's from Fortnite, and and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun because you're in this video. You see these you see these these avatars running around blowing things up and stealing cars and running from the police but it be playing those characters into the voices of some of the characters that you see robbing a bank or stealing a car and everything because they're played by famous people so is so Watch the film, stay for the end credits and look at the credits because you'll be like, oh shit, that's a famous person who played the character who robbed that bank. Oh, there was a famous person who played that character who uh, blew up the building and whatever. So there's a bunch of famous people who have secret cameos in this film. The Rock voices a character in this. Really? So that's a shocking thing. Yeah, that's a shocking thing to hide from people, because any movie that features The Rock just plasters, plasters The Rock's name everywhere. But yeah, this was a this was a good movie, and it was fun, and it was stupid, and I had a blast. I really recommend it. Free Guy. It, it's a it's a fun dumb movie, and there's some good laughs in it. Ryan Reynolds is really good as a video game character who sort of games consciousness and I really liked it so that's this week in new movies next week I will be going to see the horror movie The Lake House or or something like that I'm going to see a horror movie and then I'm not sure what else but join us next week for more up to date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week and cut on that Bunny! Yes. Bunny. Okay. Uh, we still have a, a whole podcast to get to. We need to talk about Al Franken. We need to talk about, look who's talking. We need to talk about actress Skylar Shay. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We'll be right back with more of the Pokemon film after this. And break.
Are you a woman in the Utah area looking for ugly clothing? Then hop on down to the Black Dress Warehouse. We are Utah's leading supplier of black or dark gray dresses. Do you want to look like a housewife? Do you want to look like a woman who is suffering depression or is possibly mourning the loss of a, of a loved one? Or perhaps you're a woman being haunted by the grim specter of death. If you are, then come on down to Black Dress Warehouse. We sell black dresses and that's it. Off of Route 9 and Main Street, Black Dress Warehouse. Montage. We're cleaning up the streets. We're getting people with wife beaters, asking them questions in an alleyway. I'm wearing a peach colored suit, and everything's cool. It's a montage, a disco montage. Is that a jeepney? That's weird. It's a montage. Here's my business card. It's a montage. A disco montage. We are cleaning up the streets. We're whacking the attack. And sometimes we're attacking the whack. And sometimes it's a whack attack. Because we don't have a coherent catchphrase yet for what we are doing. Maybe we should get some better publicity. Maybe hire somebody to do this stuff. To figure out what we should call this. Maybe we can do that in our montage. Kung Fu montage. We're talking to drunk people. That might... I think that's MC Hammer now. MC Hammer's drunk. He is drunk in a hallway. We're walking past pawn shops. In our montage. A Kung Fu montage. Disco Godfather. And a guy with an afro. A really impressive afro in a montage. Walking down to something. Not really steps, but maybe that is a thing. And this guy's got a briefcase. And he's got his at a pipe. Oh, I don't know what he's doing. He's signing a piece of paper in a montage. Smokey the Bear montage. They are walking down the streets with some fine ladies. In a montage, beating up random people that they see on the street. Got real big glasses, see somebody beating up people, doing real bad kung fu. Getting some guy, grabbing him by the sweater, 
Slapping him across the face, his sweaty face in a montage. I've got a dog montage. A one, two, three, four. Huh, look at this. Certified frustration-free packaging. Hmm. Not not frustrating. That's good. I guess I just pull here and uh Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. These are some of my favorite worst posts from the last few weeks on the Oklahoma City Craigslist page. This one is called Prince Media Pandering. And it says, Prince, you would have thought he was the president 
the way the media carries on about this non-talented transvestite! Exclamation point. So, transvestite! Every channel went on and on and still are, I say, good riddance. Typical left-wing, pandering media, always pushing their cause. Hell, when Elton John dies, they will probably declare a national holiday for him. They should, because Elton John is a treasure, number one. Uh, number two, mm, you need to check yourself. And third, it's not media pandering. Apparently, it's a pandering media. It's, it's a media that's run by pandas. It's a pandering media. I like that. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. depression or is possibly mourning the loss of a of a loved one or perhaps you're a woman being haunted by the grim factor of death if you are then come on down to black dress warehouse we sell black dresses and that's it off of route 9 and main street black dress warehouse Noodle keeps jumping into the sink. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Williams? Are you <coughs> ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you <coughs> revved up? Do you have your motor running to get out on the highway, Bunny? Are you ready? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Then without any further ado, it is time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny! 
Yeah, I gotta get a spear gun. Yeah, you gotta... You, there's a lot of lizard people out there, and you gotta be prepared, you know? Yeah. Gotta be prepared. Yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of thinking maybe of moving to Afghanistan. Like so many Republicans right now. Yeah. Because they're the ones who are doing it right. It's, they yeah, know it about so, freedom. And by freedom is stopping anybody from doing anything they want. That's freedom. It really says a lot about Republicans that a lot of them right now are cheering on the Taliban. Yes. The fuck is wrong with America right now? <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And it's it's amazing how 20 years our military has been there and apparently managed to accomplish absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah. There was absolutely no point in being there. No. And then just the, and then just the double-sided aspect of Trump coming out and saying, I'm pulling our troops from Afghanistan. And, oh, yes, what a great leader Trump is. Saving our troops. He cares about our troops. Trump getting people out of Afghanistan. This is the best news. Trump really should get the Nobel Peace Prize. And then he doesn't do it. And then Biden says, I'm getting our people out of Afghanistan and the same people who applauded Trump are now attacking Biden for doing what Trump said he would do. Yeah. You know? It yeah. just shows that like it's difficult because it seems like half of America doesn't care about America. Republicans' main platform right now just seems to be Staying in power and not any actual governing of the people. Yeah. 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 It's very sad. And also, you can tell that I'm a professional podcaster because I've got a ring light up here and I've got a microphone. And like all professional podcasters, I'm eating saltine crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Like any professional podcaster. I, I found a couple of interesting things on YouTube this week. A couple of, a couple of shows. Okay. One is called Cinema Therapy. Hmm. Okay. And they cover movies. Duh. And it's two guys. One is a filmmaker and the other is a licensed therapist. Nice. So they cover movies from the perspective of what is psychologically wrong with the characters in the movie. They had a fucking field day with Twilight. Nice. Very <laughs> nice. I love that. I love... I, I would love to hear about movies from a therapist's perspective. It's it's pretty interesting. It's pr it's 
really kind of fun. And yes, I recommend it. Something nice. else that I found. Which I I'm just find- subscribed to them. What? I just subscribed to them. Oh, cool. Hmm. Star Trek Continues. Okay. What is that? I don't know if I can necessarily call it good, but watching it is a very strange feeling. They are continuing the original show. And just doing additional stories of the original Star Trek show and they have all of the sets, they have all of the sound effects, they have all of the props, all of the music and they tried to cast people as much as they could to look like the original characters. Yeah. So the guy playing Captain Kirk looks totally like a guy who won a Captain Kirk look-alike contest. Nice. Okay. You know? Some of them they did better than others. You know? Yeah. Captain Kirk, they did the best, I think. But then sitting back and just watching it, it's, it's a feeling that's very similar to an Uncanny Valley feeling. I would imagine, yeah. It's not Uncanny Valley because you're watching it and it is the original Star Trek. There's just something off about it. Yeah. Okay. You know? But they hit all the music cues right and everything. It looks and feels like Star Trek. That's awesome. Except none of the people are quite right. Yeah. Now, that also made me wonder something. That as someone with a theater background as yourself, it's clear what they've done in this show, that they've just watched the show a bunch of fucking times. And they're basically doing impersonations of the people in the show. Yeah. Would that be considered acting? Uh, that's an excellent question. That is an excellent question. I don't know if it would be considered acting. It, it would probably be you just doing impressions every week. Yeah, you know? you, you're doing an impression of one specific character. Yeah. Yeah. Every episode. Which is good for the show. I don't want him bringing his interpretation of Captain Kirk. You know, if I'm watching this, I want to I want to see Captain Kirk. Okay, uh, here's my spin on it. There are so many other shows you could do that with. It upsets yeah. me. It upsets me that it's like, oh, let's reboot Twilight Zone for the third time. This time, here's an all new host. 
He, yeah. And it's in color. And everyone has cell phones. And what? This website is haunting you. And it's uh, like, I would love for them to do what you just said about Star Trek with fucking Twilight Zone. Yeah, fuck yeah. some new host. Uh, fuck some new person and some new spin on it. No. It redo do new episodes of the Twilight Zone in black and white with someone doing a goddamn Rod... Everyone can do a Rod Serling impression. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I believe we're on, on number four of Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. We had the original Rod Serling. We had the one on, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Which, eh, like... Like, you really needed to... You need more than just Rod Serling being the host. You need Rod Serling behind it and guiding it. Because, eh, the one in the 80s, it it was okay. It was no no great shakes. And then I'm I'm pretty sure, unless this was a fever dream, Forrest Whitaker had a Twilight Zone for a while. Yes, I totally forgot about Forrest Whitaker's Twilight Zone. Yeah, I think everybody has, including yeah. Forrest. So, yeah, no, I think all... that's what happened. Yeah, Forrest so we're on the fourth. Forgot he had yeah. a Twilight show, show, and just stopped showing up. Forrest Whitaker was great in the Aretha Franklin biopic. Respect. Just yeah, to time to say he was amazing in that. And then the Jordan Peele version. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. So we're on the fourth Twilight Zone, but there's a lot of shows where you could just continue it. Yeah. And I would like to see that done with the Twilight Zone. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. So how have you been, sir? I've been fine. This week has all been about trying to get into a schedule because this was the first full week that the kids had of school. Minus Maxwell, because Maxwell is doing virtual school while everyone else is going to regular school. So um, Bella's going to school and Eleanor's going to school, but Maxwell is in virtual and they haven't started yet. I think they might be starting on Monday, but I'm not sure. So... It's weird, because it's like, oh, we've got to get Eleanor to school. Okay, now we need to make sure Bella's up, and Bella's in school, and Maxwell. Do you want breakfast? Maybe not yet. And he's just, like, laying in his underwear watching TV on the couch. And it's like, it's so weird. Like, I I feel like I should be teaching you. Fucking learn. But, no, they just haven't started yet, so. So that's, that's been something. So it's just been getting used to waking up early and, and uh, you know, taking, making sure everyone is fed and has their stuff. And, you know, it, it's so funny because Eleanor is, Eleanor's school experience is the same as all of our other kids' school experience. You know, like, oh, Eleanor, how was your day at school? It was good. Why don't you tell me what happened in school today? Okay, but I'm five, so let me tell you about lunch and recess. Yeah. The only things I remember from my day at school. So, so that's hilarious. 
don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I, let me tell you about her backpack and lunchbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I started talking to this boy because he had a Space Jam backpack and we saw Space Jam, so I told him that I saw Space Jam and we talked about Space Jam. Really, what was the boy's name? I don't know, but he has a Space Jam backpack. Mm. It's like, okay, that, that's, that's fine. That, okay, okay then. So that's just been, you know, getting used to waking up super crazy early and uh, it's been, it, it's interesting because w when you say school to a very young child, they all have their different take on it. Uh, Emerald didn't want to be left alone at school and uh, Bella was... Uh, super excited to go into school and Maxwell was a little nervous. Apparently Eleanor's thing is Eleanor is 100% convinced that I didn't wake her up on I didn't wake them up on time and they're going to be late for school. Apparently okay. El, that's Eleanor's biggest fear is just is just dad wake me up tomorrow for school make sure you wake me up on time I don't want to be late and it's like you've never been late. You're fine. But it's that's that's Eleanor's fear, and I think yeah. that that's interesting. Yeah, and it's like I've never I've never done this. But they're convinced that I. Yeah. So what else happened this week? Uh, I I came out to my parents. Yeah. As being gender fluid and pansexual, and, and I, I was texting pictures of the kids to my parents. Oh, how's Bella doing? Oh, well, here's a picture of Bella. Oh, Bella's getting so much older, and they're in high school. That's amazing. Do you have any pictures of Emerald? No. And, and then I decided to just like, you know what? Fuck it. Here's a picture of me in a dress. Yeah, okay. And it's like I, I should. I should let you guys know that I'm gender fluid, and so sometimes I'm a woman. Most of the time I'm a man. Sometimes I'm male-leaning. Sometimes I'm female-leaning. Sometimes I'm more masculine. Sometimes I'm more feminine. Most of the time I'm a guy. Sometimes I'm a woman in a dress, and that's fine. The kids like it. My wife likes it. It's not a big deal, and my, parent, my parents, I say my parents. I'm pretty sure it was just my mom. But yeah. it, that's beside the point. My parents said, uh, boy, just do what makes you happy. Just be happy. And so it, it, that was a positive. I, I'm also in talks with a m m marijuana company. Yes. But that's – there's nothing concrete yet, but <coughs> – uh, I, I might be part of an advertising campaign for a local marijuana dispensary. We're not entirely sure, but I did a video this weekend, which I think was hilarious. Yes, it was. Love my new video with the milkshakes. Uh, I think it's a worthy successor to my last video. And hopefully they like it. Hopefully I should be hearing back from them sometime this week. And... Uh, something's going to happen. I don't know what. It could be nothing, or it could be something big. We'll see. Probably somewhere in the middle. But, but yeah, I'm in talks with a medicinal marijuana company to do some advertising for them. 
or be a part of an advertising campaign or perhaps a social media campaign. I don't know. But they want to use my videos, and that's very exciting. Cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. In my my in Both of those things happened on the same day, and my wife came up to me and hugged me and said, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of me, too. I was really scared to make that phone call. And then I went, wait, what are you proud of me for? It's like, oh, for coming out to your parents. And I'm like, oh, shit, I did that. Yes. <laughs> I forgot I did that because of the whole weed company wanting to work with me thing. But yeah, I'm proud of both things, I guess. Cool. So, yeah, uh, it's been a weird week. How are you, Bunny? Now, now, something had gotten mentioned a couple of weeks back, and I forgot to mention it on the last week's podcast. What's okay. this about buying a church, dude? Oh, yeah, for a while we were considering... It, there was a church that that has stopped being a church and is now like a residential home and it was for sale. And uh, my wife and I, it was like 3 a.m. and we had these talks about possibly setting up a GoFundMe and purchasing the church and making it the official church of Ed Wood and getting like a projector and showing movies in there. But uh, we will not be doing that because there's no parking. There's no. no there's no parking at all. Where the fuck are we supposed to park? On the street? The streets are super fucking small. I don't know where we're going to put our freaking nine cars. And then the corner is the bus stop where the, where the bus comes to pick up the kids. Like, it's a bitch. A bitch. The only thing that we can figure out is that it was built in like the 19, what, the 1940s? And back then there were probably no houses near the church, but now there's houses all over the church, so there's no place to park at all, period. So like there's no room for our cars, let alone all of the people who might be coming to see the church of Ed Wood, so it's all fucked. But my wife and I have been doing some home shopping. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a church, though, does it? No. No, no it just happened to be a church. And yeah. It was really cool. It had lots of space. The windows were awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there was some stained glass and some old-timey church-looking doors, big fat yeah. wooden doors. Pretty and cool. But, like, practicality, it's not going to work for us, yeah. even if we wanted it to. Yeah. And it's way over a price point anyway. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. For a while, we were considering... Uh, I, I, I completely church. understand, and I did not think that this would be a real thing, but I, I still find myself kind of disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I know that feeling. Yeah. No. Uh, same. I, I, was, I was totally excited, and then I was driving by it, and... My my very practical brain was like, dude, where are we going to park? There's yeah. no parking. There's there's not enough uh, yard space for the kids' trampoline or the gazebo or the dog or you know like just it it's not practical for us as a family. Sure, if we wanted to make it just a church, but we'd also have it as a residence, so it wouldn't work. But then where would the congregants park? There's no fucking parking. 
it's ridiculous. Yeah. The whole thing is just ridiculous. So that that sucks. But if you if you could find an old film studio, I think that would be ideal. Yeah. Well, we could also consider getting you know the historic. Um... There's a historic movie theater that used to be downtown, and it got shut down uh, during the pandemic. pandemic. And now the movie theater, the old-timey movie theater, is for sale. And there was a period in time when we were excited about, hey, maybe we could purchase the movie theater. But then we looked into it, and they've rezoned it. So you're not allowed to watch movies in it anymore. What the fuck? Or what? But yeah, you're not allowed to do. It can't. Movies. If if you purchase it, great. It would be a great place for weddings or maybe a church. But you can't. It can't be a movie theater. So like, what the fuck? I think, but see, here's the thing: is I think it is a matter of you cannot function as a movie theater. Yeah. And you, pay and make have people pay for the movie. Okay, but you're not functioning it using it as a movie theater you're using it as a church that's what I yeah, that's, and yeah, you that's, should be able to play whatever fucking movies you want yeah. in your church as long as we're not charging for it as long as we're not charging for it yeah but again so. it comes down to if you know because we, we can't just buy a church we have to have a place to live as well where are we going to park there's literally no space for like a yard, a garden, a dog, a gazebo, a, you know, trampoline. So it wouldn't work. It'd be fantastic if we could buy it on its own just for a church. But we are not in a financial situation to do that. Well, but, you know, let's, maybe this would be a good place for us to get a little viewer feedback. What would, would would viewers give to a GoFundMe? What, what, what does do viewers want to see this happen? Do viewers have a cheap place? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. know down in the comments somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere, we've got a lot of places for you to comment. How are you, Bunny? Um. That's pretty much it for me. Yeah. So, so what's on the shap? It's, it's what's a on pretty the shap? What's on the shap? It's a bit of a big one. It's the it's the continuation of our shapology of interconnected shaps. We yes. talked about Norman Fell, then we talked about the rise and fall of Fred Silverman, and now we're getting to the thing that he's most known for. Uh, that has to do with a former Minnesota governor. Not okay. governor. Uh, senator. Senator? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we should get on over there then. I agree. So this has been another thrilling episode of Bunny Versus. And until next week... Self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. Love that. And cut on that. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! I don't know what that noise was. I think it was my bottle. I think it was my bottle.
Um, if you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't nowadays at this day and age? But only real fans, true hardcore fans who have been with us since the beginning would know two things about us. Two undeniable, really real, and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, the first fact, which is about you, is the fact that in your spare time, you are a pioneer in the new field of fish choreography. So can you just take some time to explain to the audience what that is? When I was very young, I had observed my goldfish swimming back and forth in its little bowl to the rhythm of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And I had been become fascinated ever since uh, and have, have had many, many fish uh, and have been working on this for decades and decades. Yeah. And I, I have learned how I can train fish of any species. Okay. Oh, nice. How I could train fish to swim in synchronized patterns to various forms of music. Well, I say various forms of music, anything but death metal. Too many fish die oh. trying to swim in synchronicity to death metal songs. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Love the makeup, but... Very sad, yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, being a film buff, I can't help but, like, I really lean towards Busby Berkeley-type productions. Um, and it's, it's, it's even more, more akin to painting, because you could use different colored fish swimming in different colored patterns, you know... That sounds beautiful. Sharks are really good for taking up space, but not too much space, you know? Dolphins yeah. are great background players, okay? Dolphins really can't ever carry a show because they're always backstage hitting on the puffer fish. So, oh, yeah. But in the background, they are awesome, you know? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a real burgeoning field. And I'm it, proud it of is. You. I'm proud of you for being at the forefront. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a big deal. And the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I love to do here at this juncture, I'm holding a chicken. <laughs> Okay, what I like to do at this juncture is I like to get a story. Uh, I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Dun, dun, 
Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's entertaining yet educational. It's the school. It's like if Schoolhouse Rock got stoned. Yes. Anyway, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, I will be finishing our first ever Shapology. Yes. A trilogy of interconnected Shaps. Two weeks ago, we discussed how actor Norman Fell was kicked off of the wildly successful TV show Three's Company to star in a spinoff called The Ropers that was canceled. The screwing of Norman Fell. Great chap. I'm really proud of that. Then last week, we discussed the rise and fall of TV executive Fred Silverman and the hilariously disastrous 1979 TV midseason which is what led to the Ropers being canceled in the first place. And finally, this week, we wrap up the Shapology with a look at what is probably the biggest thing that Fred Silverman is known for. And to fully understand it, we need to discuss the early years of Saturday Night Live! Okay. So here's a quick version for you. Johnny Carson owned late night Saturdays on TV because Monday through Friday, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was the biggest thing. It was so big that on Saturday nights they would run reruns. The the Tonight Show, the best of Carson. Uh, Carson's comedy classics is what I grew up with. They were like, uh, like syndicated best of clips of Johnny yeah. Carson and they would run on UHF and it would always be late at night, so I would stay up as a kid so I could watch Carson's comedy classics on TV. So uh, in 1974, the all-powerful Carson demanded more time off and realized that if he wanted a weekday off, he could just air a best of. So he pulled the best of Carson from Saturday Night's. And now NBC has a hole that needs filling, desperately needs a new Saturday night show. So the head of late night programming, a man named Penis Eberswole. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Dick Ebersol. I was really close, though. Yes. I was really close with Penis Eberswole. So Dick Ebersol, he goes I, I just to... thought he was Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. Right? Nice. So Dick Ebersol goes to crazed Canadian Lord Michaels, and he says, live variety show, and the suits don't like the idea, but also they're desperate as fuck. So NBC Saturday Night premieres in 1975. It instantly becomes the cool hip show, and Lord Michaels and the cast are stars. Cut two! It's 1979. It's been almost five years, and Lorne Michaels is struggling to hold shit together. Chevy Chase is gone. Dan Aykroyd is gone. John Belushi just left. And there's two Murrays on the show. And that's (laughs) fascinating to me. Because I remember Bill Murray being on the show, but not one of the Murray brothers also being on the show. And that's fucking weird. Brian Uh, Doyle? Yeah, Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, Paul Schaefer, the musician, is now bumped to official cast member, along with writer Al Franken. 
And Harry Shearer is a cast member, too? It's a crazy season. You gotta kind of feel a little sorry for Brian Doyle Murray, though. Because, oh, yeah. like, like, what? Yeah. Because, like, yeah. wherever wherever he wound, because he was already a face in things before Bill yeah. Murray ever showed up. You know? Yeah. So, like... And then Bill... And then Bill Murray just shows up and steals all the thunder. Yeah, and then it, then suddenly it's like... like it, see, it kind of reminds me of, like, you and your brother. Okay? Like, you're yeah. Brian Doyle Murray, and you get this kind of little comedy thing going for yourself, and you're making appearances on shit, and, you know... And then Jose shows up. And he's like, oh, that looks like fun. I'm going to do that same thing. And just like takes it away from you now. He's all fucking famous and it looks like you're riding his coattails. You know? I am I am. So surprised I feel sorry that... for Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. I am surprised that my brother hasn't started a podcast. Yeah. That's my next that's my next uh prediction that my brother is going to be like I, any, anybody can start a podcast. I'm gonna start a podcast. I'm gonna talk about I don't know, fucking the Howard Stern. <laughs> so yeah, so nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty, the fifth season of Saturday Night Live. It's a it's an interesting one. Especially because a lot of people think Oh, the first five years of Saturday Night Live, that was just the original cast. And then, boom, it's the 80s. But it's just not true. Uh, the show is changing. People are getting really burned out. And no one more so than Lorne Michaels. And so it's near the end of season five. SNL, as it is now known, is a definite success with its cast members becoming stars, making movies. But it's all getting difficult at this point. Uh, it's all getting difficult to keep together. Also, at this point in time, pretty much, cocaine has been promoted to a featured player. Yes. Basically. And as the idea of a sixth season gets closer, the big question is, will Lord Michaels renew his contract? Because Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris, Bill Murray, they all basically said that we will happy, happily come back to season six, if and only if Lorne Michaels comes back. So it's very important to the future of the show that someone work with Lorne Michaels to get him back on the show. Hopefully a negotiations master. Someone who has a calm, level head. Someone uh, who can take the time and the energy to work with Lorne Michaels and to renew his contract. Unfortunately, the person whose job it is to renew Lawrence Michaels' contract is the one and only Fred Silverman. Yes. So he helped CBS beat a I'm ABC. Kinda, I'm kind of feeling, feeling that, like, horses should whinny in the background every time you say his name now. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So like, here's Whoa! a really... Here's a really quick version of last week's chef. Uh, Fred Silverman helped CBS beat ABC in the ratings, and 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 
he beat ABC so bad that ABC then hired Fred Silverman and helped ABC beat CBS. And then RTV Icarus thought that, oh, I've saved one network. I've saved two networks. What, NBC? You're in last place? Well, I can easily save you two. So when it was... But spoiler alert, he absolutely could not and almost bankrupted NBC. The entire network almost went out of business due to Fred Silverman uh, not doing a good job. So when it was time to renew Lorne Michaels' contract, it's the end of 1979, it's the beginning of the 1980s. Fred Silverman was turning a sinking ship into... A sinking ship on fire. Yes. And there's also a bomb on the ship. So, Fred Silverman was... He knew he had to renew Lorne Michaels' contract, but he was also busy yelling and screaming and throwing shit in his office at unpaid interns and subordinates. Okay. That took up a good deal of his time. And it's like, I know I need to help Lorne Michaels, but also... If, if I spend so much time and effort uh, getting Lord Michaels to renew his contract, who's going to yell at the coffee boy? Yeah. So, uh, at the contract negotiations, Fred Silverman, he doesn't even show up. He's like, I'm too busy, I can't show up. And, and so, Fred Silverman's like uh, subordinates show up, and they start berating Lorne Michaels. Uh, oh, Lorne Michaels, I guess it's time to renew your contract. Oh, look, it's the SNL guy. Hey, remember how you made us buy the rights to Gilda Radner's Broadway show and it ended up bombing? So what, Lorne Michaels? Are you here to screw us again? Oh, that geez. last bit is a quote from an NBC executive who literally said to Lorne Michaels, so are you here to fucking screw us again? Wow. Lorne Michaels felt disrespected, and rightfully so. There is yelling and screaming, and Lorne Michaels storms out of the meeting, convinced that his time at NBC is up. He is disgusted with how the NBC studio execs have absolutely disrespected him after turning a hole in late-night programming into the coolest, hippest show on television. Lorne Michaels is pissed, and this story starts working its way around backstage until it reaches the ears of cast member and future Minnesota Senator Mr. Al Franken. Yes. His name rose in SNL as the original cast slowly disappeared, and everyone assumed, rightly so, rightfully so, that if Lorne Michaels, heaven forbid, is going to leave, then the person who will replace him is Al Franken, replacing Lorne Michaels as the future producer of Saturday Night Live. Al Franken was so certain of his place on the throne that he began a very well-received series of monologues, regular monologues on Weekend Update, announcing that the 1980s would be, as he put it, the Al Franken decade. Yes. And his whole bit in the monologues would be he would keep saying his name over and over again. Hello, thank you Which... for having me on the show. Me, 
Al Franken. Yeah, which I found that I found that pretty amusing. I liked that idea. I enjoyed that ten years. Thank you, Al, for and milking that fucking be... for like a record time. But other than that, previously, yeah. like, like I never thought Al Franken was funny. As a kid, I always hated when Franken and Davis would show up. Yeah, I hated. And Franken it was like, oh, Davis. I love this, I love this rerun of SNL. This is really cool. And oh shit, it's a Franken and Davis bit. Okay. Maybe maybe something else is on. So I was never that big. So Fred Silverman is in charge of NBC. He's flailing wildly at resurrecting NBC. He almost bankrupts the whole network. And now he's ignoring Lorne Michaels' contract negotiations. Al Franken hears this, and he decides to respond. Okay. Now, before this now infamous moment in Saturday Night Live history. SNL had made fun of Fred Silverman before. John Belushi played Fred Silverman a number of times in a handful of skits. It got laughs, and Fred Silverman liked them. But it needs to be said that Fred Silverman's lackeys would always make sure that he saw a copy of the script making fun of them before they ever got on the air. Okay. You would never ask for <coughs> changes. You just wanted to know when SNL was going to make fun of it. And he would read the scripts in advance, and then there you go. Uh, but overall, Fred Silverman didn't mind being lightly made fun of on Saturday Night Live. He considered it an honor. But Al Franken was pissed as fuck that NBC... And Fred Silverman, in particular, were shitting on Lorne Michaels. So it's the next-to-last so, episode of the fifth season of Saturday Night so Live. So this also sounds to me like, like this is also where Saturday Night Live kind of loses its edge as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because part of the fun and of the original Saturday Night Live was... was it was dangerous, you know? It was live. Yeah. It looked really rough as shit, you know? Like the yeah. sets might fall down at any time. Uh, and you knew that they were all on something. And it's yep. an ensemble Absolutely. of illicit drugs... And anything could happen. It was exciting for that, you know. Yeah. What the fuck? So, and this sounds like where it really kind of lost that. No, you can absolutely one hundred percent hear this story and say, "Oh, this is the exact moment that the original cast of SNL ended." Yeah. So. It's the next to next to last episode of the fifth season. It's not the next to last, but it's the next to next to last episode of the fifth season. Bob Newhart is hosting, and this is something for all of you young people. Um, back in the 70s, people loved hearing a nerdy bald guy awkwardly stutter. Hence, Newhart mania. Yeah. Because that was his whole thing. 
Al Franken writes an intense, personal, fierce monologue for Weekend Update that he calls a limo for a lame Okay. In his monologue, Al Franken tells a story about how he had a great idea for a skit while leaving 30 Rockefeller Plaza, and while he's trying and he's trying to catch a taxi, but a fan stops Al Franken and starts pestering him, and then boom, he forgets the idea. Why? Because Al Franken does not get a limo. But then Al Franken starts going into, you know who does get a limo? NBC star Gary Coleman and NBC president Fred Silverman and Al Franken launches into an attack on Fred Silverman. Even going so far as to pull up a chart of the top 10 TV shows on network television and says uh, about the network's top 10. Now I see some A's here, some B's, some C's, even an S. You know what I don't see? I don't see any ends. He then personally attacks Fred Silverman. He calls him a total failure. He says, quote, you, this guy has been here two years. You lost me with the letters. <laughs> oh, because uh, here's all of the top ten shows and then the networks that they're on. And it's like, well, I see some C's here, some A's, some B's, some S's. You know what I don't see? I don't see any N's because NBC did not have a top ten oh, show okay. on television. So then he starts attacking Fred Silverman. He calls him a total failure. He calls him a lame-o. He says the guy's been here two years and he hasn't done diddly squat. He calls him a timid, indecisive, easily pressured man. He's weak. Wow. And it's a real below-the-belt attack. It's savage. And it ends with a contest. He says, Al I, Al Franken, should deserve a limo. And I dare say I deserve a limo more than the lame Fred Silverman. So he gives the address to Fred Silverman's office and he tells viewers to send postcards to Fred Silverman's office demanding that Al Franken get a limo. Okay. <laughs> so it so this is the monologue that that Al Franken writes. Uh and at dress rehearsal, it kills. It's super funny. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. And that is when Fred Silverman's subordinates see the monologue at dress rehearsal, and they go, oh, shit. This is a really nasty attack. Fred Silverman's not going to like this. We need to show him the script beforehand. But here's the problem. It's a Saturday. Fred Silverman is at home with his wife, with his kids, and now you mean to tell me that some gopher, some unpaid intern, some freaking lackey has to risk their life by calling Mr. Throwshit around the office? Yeah. Call him at home on his day off and read to Fred Silverman on the phone a savage personal attack. Fuck no! <laughs> so Fred Silverman isn't notified beforehand of Al Franken's monologue. The episode goes live. Fred Silverman sees the limo for a lame -o 
Skit and um, and Fred Silverman just goes apeshit. He goes absolutely apeshit. He starts losing it. Fred Silverman assumes that Lorne Michaels deliberately allowed Al Franken to attack him. That is not true. The truth of the matter was, Lorne Michaels said, well, this monologue will infuriate Fred Silverman, but you know what I like about the monologue? The show is five minutes short, and the monologue's five minutes. I'm leaving the monologue in. Yeah. So, uh, Lorne Mike, so... But Fred Silverman has had enough, and, and he is done with Lorne Michaels, with contract negotiations. He doesn't want to talk to any of them. So now Lorne Michaels is like, okay, this is it. This is the last straw. I'm burned out. Fred Silverman, piece of shit. I'm officially leaving SNL. But the network wants it to continue. So Lorne Michaels says, well, if I'm gone, a writer will have to take over because they understand the show. And Fred Silverman is like, oh, so you want a writer to be in charge of uh, SNL when you're gone? You mean Al Franken? That son of a bitch is gone. <laughs> yeah. There is no way I'm letting Al Franken be the producer of Saturday Night Live. So Fred Silverman personally hires associate producer Gene Dumanian to head SNL instead of Al, Al Franken. And so the fall of SNL, with SNL's sixth season and the now infamous Saturday Night Live 80 with Charlie Rocket and uh, Denny Dillon and Gilbert Godfrey, the season that was I so bad... I still have PTSD over that shit. Yeah, the season that was so bad that NBC almost canceled it. That all happened because Fred Silverman was made fun of on Saturday Night Live. Fred Silverman but, but, like, himself not just, but almost see, killed Saturday Night Live. Not only was it like, what the fuck, who are these people? But it it almost kind of like... Charlie Rocket bears a resemblance to Chevy Chase. Not a lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Almost, almost like they tried to fool us. Like... Oh no, this is the cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it, they it, won't it, notice. <laughs> and I feel that at the time, Gilbert Gottfried did have an Al Franken look about him. He had that, like, big sort of throw of yeah. hair. So, 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 uh, so, yeah, Fred Silverman, not only did he almost bankrupt the entirety of NBC, but he also uh, led to Saturday Night Live almost getting canceled. It's all Fred Silverman's fault. So here's what happened after a limo for a lame-o. Fred Silverman was basically given a vote of no confidence by the board at NBC. They didn't trust him anymore. They didn't think he did a good job. So Fred Silverman quit in 1981, and you might think, oh, well, that's the end of Fred Silverman. No! Fred Silverman started the Fred Silverman Company and started creating TV shows to either sell to a major network or to sell off to syndication. And he personally helped create the TV shows Matlock, Jake and the Fat Man, In the Heat of the Night, The Father Dowling Mysteries, Diagnosis Murder, and more. 
Wow. So, like, all of those shows in the 80s and 90s that were in syndication forever that, like, your mom or grandmother liked to watch, yeah, that was all Fred Silverman. So, so he landed on his feet, and, and, and good for him. But also, you screwed Norman Fell and almost killed Saturday Night Live. So, good for you, Fred Silverman. And also, fuck you. <laughs> yes. But that is the end of our shapology of three interconnected shafts. This closes the curtain on Fred Silverman and yes, his it life. Does. He, has, he has died of cancer, and it's very sad. But, man, what an insane career. The things he helped create. He helped create Scooby-Doo. He helped create uh, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, Three's Company. The list goes on and on, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating. His entire career is just... There's a million other stories that I didn't say for time, you know? Oh, I but, would imagine. Yeah. But, man, what a life. What a life this guy had. And that's it for Shaft this week. What's coming up next week, I'm not sure. But whatever it is, it's going to be good. So join us next week for more up-to-date. Uh, 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 no, that's what, what, what's my outro? Join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximation. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! Unfortunately, we have a movie to get to. We need to talk about a horrible... A horrible sequel to a horrible movie. We need to talk about Vanessa Angel? Okay. That's weird. That's weird. We need to talk about... about oh, horrible people in a horrible film. Uh... This is not going to be fun, because it's a horrible movie. Yes. And, uh, did you know they made more? They made more. They made a lot more. We'll be they talking made about a that. lot more? Yeah, they made a lot more. We'll be getting into that. And I have a bombshell, a bombshell, about this movie and another movie that we did on the podcast. Uh, I can't wait to get to this bombshell, but before okay. we get to any of that, maybe we can take a break. Should we take a break, Funny? We should take a break. Oh, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Popon film after this. Do 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 Skippy Papa Doo-Wow and break. Where's my puppet? It's like a fucking teamster. Every time you turn around, he's off on a coffee break. We got a building to put up here. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Sing you a song I 
afternoon of March 10th, 2016, an undetermined number of people, oftentimes fluctuating between 2 and 4.5 individuals, were recording a podcast on the internet. Three of them were never seen again. The next morning, the one survivor, Bunny Williams, was picked up on a roadside, blood-caked and screaming church organist. Bunny said he had the number one podcast in hell. The man babbled a mad tale, a vaguely Mexican family in the isolated state of Oklahoma, a film podcast that's only indirectly about films, a filthy podcast that somehow prominently featured young children, then Bunny fell into catatonia. Colorado lawmen mounted a five-minute manhunt but could not locate the macabre podcast. No facts, no information, no iTunes account. Officially, on the records, the Pope on film never existed. But over the years, reports of a bizarre grisly podcast have persisted all across the internet. The Pope on film has not stopped. It haunts your Facebook feed. It frightens Twitter. It vaguely jump scares Stitcher. The Pope on film seems to have no end. I like these posts in the rants and rave section of the Oklahoma City Craigslist page because it, I, I guess it's just justifying my beliefs. People are horrible. The headline is USA and Mexico. Uh, all right, keep a positive attitude towards this. I was visiting with a blood relative who was married to a Mexican. And the relative brought up Trump at the wall. The relative was irritated that Trump thinks Mexico will pay for the wall. Being a nice relative, I just listened and was told Mexico hates Trump. I feel as if I have stumbled onto something. Go Trump, go, baby, build that beautiful wall. I'm so happy to be a brown-skinned individual in the Bible Belt. Gee, I feel so, uh, welcomed and invited. Just feel so warm. People are treating me so nice here. Like, man, they make sure to put their sights on me first. Like, I have red dots all around me from their sniper rifles. Yay! I'm gonna get me a pickup truck and a dog and a shotgun. I'll start saying y'all. Are you a soulless monster stitched together with the bodies of the dead? 
Were you brought to life by a hideous experiment that was meant to usurp God's authority? Are you damned to roam the earth, a soulless monster without a soul? Well then, simply try Chia Soul. Ch-ch-ch-chia. Chia Soul. Ch-ch-ch-chia. Simply spread the seeds, water them, and in a few weeks you'll have your very own soul. Chia Soul. By the maker of Chia Pubes. We will be right back with more. I think. I mean, we. I mean, we will, right? I mean, we are going to be back. Are we? Gonna, are we going to be back? This isn't like. Have we been canceled? Is this it? Is this the end? Are we all going to die? No. You know what? You know what? Hey, 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 we'll be back. We'll be back. Just, just trust me. We'll be. We'll. We'll be fine. We'll be back.
Say the secret void and you get to come back next week. When an evil villain <laughs> threatens to take control of the world in just a few hours, I will control the minds of the children through their own television sets. There is only one group we can turn to. Sorry about that. Now, it will take a legendary hero. Why don't you pick on somebody half your size? Kohuna, my little arch enemy. To unite them and create the ultimate team. We can become our super selves and help Kohuna. All right, kids. We're about to have company. Nice spot. A little candy cane for my taste, but then I'm an adult. Team, now. Brain Boy. Brain time is over. Baby Courageous. It's my time! Bouncing Boy. I like bouncing. <laughs> Can our brother get some water? Get back to work. And Cupid Girl. Spread the love. I love you, man. <laughs> this summer. Get them, get them, get them. See ya. We wanna be ya. Adventure. <laughs> Comes in small packages. <laughs> She gone? <laughs> Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to drunkenly stumble our way into the third and final act of the show. And it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our hand-picked, hand-crafted, and hand-some third thing. Movie of the week! 
And this, and today, we get ever closer to finally finish our summer of bottoming with a look at the number two worst movie of all time, according to the Internet Movie Database, the 2004 Scott Bayo John Voight kids movie, also known as Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. Yes. My body rejected this film like a bad kidney. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it. This movie gave me eye cancer. We did have to get really high first. Because we knew oh, we were going into a danger zone. Okay. Oh, but like for the first, Jesus. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, I was like, well, okay, it's stupid, but it's made for kids. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe a kid would be entertained by this. Uh, that changed over the course of the movie. You know? Yeah. Where yeah. It, it was just a lot of violence. Getting worse and worse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Real bad. Real real bad. Uh, but before we get, we really get into it, I have a big-time earth-shattering exclusive for you, buddy. Okay. Uh, you see, this film stars John Voight and Scott Bayo. God damn! What uh -huh. a parade of stars <laughs> this movie has. How'd you land that casting coup? Yeah. Wow! So, they, they had I have signs. They were holding up signs on the corner of Beverly Avenue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I have obtained through rather scrupulous means an actual audio recording of Scott Bayo and John Voight's first meeting together. Okay. Apparently, they were recording the first time that the cast met each other, and I happened to get a recording of that first meeting. So would you like to hear it, Bunny? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, it's it, I'm just going to be playing it over here, okay? Okay. okay. All right. All right. So uh, let me press play off screen here. Oh, I'm so happy that we're finally meeting. You and I, Scott Bayo and John Voigt. So happy that we're finally working together. Man, people have been clamoring for a John Voigt and Scott Bayo film. Uh, I can already tell that you're a great person to work with and we really hit it off. You know what? Let's make a promise. Let's make a promise to get together again. Not for a movie, but for something else. I've got an idea. Okay. If they ever elect a president that's a total rapist piece of shit, I'm not talking like a dumb president, like, oh, I, I'm, I'm George Bush. I don't, know, I don't know how to spell, and I'm kind of an idiot. No, I mean a total fuckball. We're talking racist, con man, rapist, a real piece of shit. We're talking walking 
on Air Force One with toilet paper in his shoe type of a dumbass. If that, if they ever elect a dumbass like that, let's just go all in on supporting it. Yes. I think, I think that'd be a great idea in sort of an avant-garde uh, Andy Kaufman sort of a thing. We'll just go all in on this piece of shit, and it, it'll be funny. Okay, now let's go make this piece of shit movie. And there you go. Wow. What an that exclusive audio recording. That was fucking amazing. Where, where did you get that? Uh, I had to seduce a few people. Wow. I mean, uh, I, 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 I have to say that, that as the one who does the sound engineering on the Popon mm-hmm. film, my expert opinion would say that that was very authentic. Yeah, 100% authentic. Yeah. Absolutely authentic. It's incredible that we were able to get this. Yeah. So, okay, so every summer here on the Pope on Film podcast, we do themed summers and we will watch a certain group of films or a certain type of films and oh man the edibles just kicked in so the rest <laughs> of this is going to be really exciting it, I just realized how high I am okay so every summer we do themed summers and we've done the summer of Star Wars and the summer of Saw and then I had a plan to watch every shitty WWE Studios movie which means 98% of all of the movies that they ever made. But yeah. then last summer, right before we were going into the summer, Fred Willard died. So we had an entire summer where we watched uh, Fred Willard's films. And that was a whole bunch of fun. I'm so happy that at the last second, I was able to get his first film. That like oh, Teenage Bride movie. Teenage so Mother? happy to have finally track that down. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun one. But it was a really fun summer. I still summer. have it. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, nice. I, so, I keep most of the movies. Yeah, not me. I was so happy to delete Super Babies. You have no <laughs> idea. I was like, I've seen you. Uh, now I will. Now it's time for us to say goodbye. I was pretty happy to get rid of it. So, so my idea was last summer was so much fun looking through the movies of Fred Willard that this summer we had to pay for how fun last summer was. So we're going to do something really bad. So we've been watching movies, select movies, a lot of movies that uh, the fans on Twitter have voted on, which was a lot of fun. Yes. But uh, we've been watching movies from IMDb's Bottom 100 and we are now in the end game because this week's movie, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2 is the number two worst movie on the list. Uh, A movie that Variety called Look Who's Talking meets Plan 9 from Outer Space. And I am sick and tired of people comparing bad movies to Plan 9 from Outer Space. Fuck you. Yeah. You know how many movies Ed Wood has on the IMDb Bottom 100? Zero. You know how many films Yui Bowl has on the list? I think there's three. <laughs> but, oh, we're going to mention Planet from Outer Space because it's easy. But no, no, it's time to move on 
from comparing every bad movie to Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. Fuck off. Piss me off. Maybe four movies on the list, but no. Especially no, when off. the room exists. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I hate having to throw Tommy Weasel under the bus like that, but please. Yeah. So, uh, okay. In 1999, a movie came out called Baby Geniuses. It starred Kathleen Turner and Christopher Lloyd. Really? Which, okay, that's not the world's best cast because I still have nightmares of the Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure, which featured Christopher Lloyd. Yes. But that cast is As infinite. do we all. Yeah, but I'd rather take Kathleen Turner and Christopher Lloyd over John Voight and Scott Bayo. Yes. Fuck. And also, that film also had Dom DeLuise, Kim Cattrall, Peter McNichol. See, the thing about Scott Bayo is, is that we never knew is that when he was in Charles in Charge... Of our days and he meant our it. nights. He he meant it. And now and now yeah. he wants to he wants to have carve out a nice small part of the Reich for himself. I'm going to work on a list of TV shows that match with other TV show TV show titles that go with other TV show titles. Okay. Like, like, just the ten of us? Eight is enough. <laughs> True. I, because I was just, I was just thinking about, uh, oh shit, uh, uh, who's the boss? Well, yeah. Charles in charge. Yeah. Everybody knows that. That's who the boss is. It just makes sense. So, okay. So, the first film came out in 1999. It cost $12 million to make, and it, it made almost $37 million at the box office. It was the 10th highest grossing PG movie to come out in 1999, and it was also the first film to use CGI to make it seem like someone was talking. Yes. No movie had ever used CGI to make lips move before 1999's Baby Geniuses, and apparently all of this was enough to make a sequel. The problem was, the first film, it was a success, but also, critics hated it. Hell, fucking audiences hated it. And so when it was time to make a sequel, nobody wanted to be in this piece of shit. At all. Well, well, you know, I mean... If you're talking about the first one now, I haven't seen it, but like, okay, it's talking babies, and yes, look who's talking was kind of amusing, uh, and it is Christopher Lloyd and Kathleen Turner. Yeah, uh, I would consider giving it a pop. So, so like, like I can kind of understand its box office, you know? Yeah, but. If you have that, that if everybody's hating it, why why are you making a sequel? And then 
who in 2004 is thinking Hollywood star Scott Bayo? Yeah. In 2004. This yeah. movie wasn't made in 1993. And like, oh, let's put Scott Bayo in it. No. This is 2004. This is ridiculous. So it's so that's why the first film yeah, but had this was, this was at the time where you know he, he would show up at your house personally for two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It, but but like two thousand and four, we're talking uh, the Passion of the Christ, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, Charlize Theron with no makeup in uh, Monster. Uh, Ray, the Ray Charles movie. Yeah. Fucking, uh, like, all of these movies. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, for shit's sake, and someone says, yeah, we should get Scott Bayo to star in this movie. <laughs> At that same time. is ridiculous. So, so that's why the first film had names, and the second film has Chachi as a businessman, and uh, John Voight literally doing an um Joseph Mengele impression. Yeah. In in an interview he did say John Voight specifically said that he based his uh work in the film on Joseph Mengele. There's also the character of Kylie the, the blonde brainiac and honor roll student that's played by actress Skylar Shay. You might remember this person because she also co-starred in 2007's Bratz movie. Really? So I want, yeah, she was the blonde one in the Bratz movie, and now she's the blonde one in Super Baby Super Geniuses too. So, so kudos to her for being in two of the worst movies of all time. If only she was in Cats. But that started <laughs> me to thinking. We watched Bratz this summer for the for our summer of bottoming. Yes. Uh, it was number 57 on the list of the 100 worst movies of all time. But who else was in the Bratz movie with Skylar Shay, Bunny? The principal in Bratz was played oh, by oh, John Voight. It was Bratz. We were... Jeannie yeah. and I would think, I'm like, what the hell was it that we saw John Voight in recently where he had the fake fucking nose? Yeah, that was, that was Bratz. John Voight was in that. But, that. but then that got me thinking, wait a second, John Voight and this random actor, Skylar Shea, were in the Bratz movie? And now you mean to tell me that John Voight and this same blonde woman were also in Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. At this point, I'm thinking, there's got to be something up. There has yeah. to be something up. So I do some investigating, and apparently Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, and all of the other Baby Geniuses movies, which we will get to, were all done by John Voight's uh, production company. Okay. Who also had a hand in making the Bratz film. And what did John Voight do? He put his goddaughter in the movies. Oh. Tyler Shea is related to John Voight 
That's how she got in Bratz and how she got in Super Baby's Baby Geniuses, too. What? I've uncovered the truth! Yes, you have. This is a big deal. She is only in these movies because she is related to a famous person. You're, you're, you're two and a half. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Really proud of that. Now, uh, here's, here's the difficult thing. I try to find the good in everything. It, even in a bad movie we watch, I try and find some positives. I mean, Birdemic had a heart. That was all just made by one dude, and he's trying his best. And, like, oh, the film has an Ed Woodian, uh, like, sort of a thing. Yeah. Huh? I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but Bunny, how did you like Birdemic? I kind of had my own uh, cat-related emergency going on last week, so I didn't get to find out how you liked it. Yeah, you weren't here for the end of that episode. Yeah. So how did you like Birdemic? Did I lose you? Oh, how did I like Birdemic? Yes. Yeah, how did yes. you like yeah, it? Yeah, oh. I was I was not here to find out how you liked it. Like, eh... You know, like they, like they. Act, Your silence. It's. It's all just so amateurish. Is basically how it is. Like, like, they've almost got the steps down right, but they don't know how to actually do the steps. Yeah, you know, that's kind yeah. of where it is. Like. Like, the first act turn came pretty much where you would expect it to. You know? Yeah. Things like, things like that. But, bad. The dialogue was bad. The script was bad. The acting was bad. The effects were bad. I know, wasn't it wonderful? Everything mm -hmm. was bad and amateurish. Mm -hmm. Of course. Which made it great. Just hanging out. Song. Hanging out. I don't know if I'm necessarily Hanging saying out, I don't like the it. Hanging <laughs> out a party. I, I, I had been curious <laughs> to like see the kind of growth as filmmakers for this dude. Uh, but as Mr. Steve brought up last week, turns out not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not good. All right. Well, let's back to Super Baby. Super Baby Jesus. Yeah, so Birdemic had hard and alone in the dark. If you squinted, it kind of looked like a first season episode of X-Files or Supernatural. And at least, at least Battlefield Earth scammed the Church of Scientology for a few million dollars. Yes. But the only positive I can think about in relation to this movie is... At least a few midget stuntmen got jobs that month. Yes. At least it's only an hour and a half. But I wasn't least... really buying that any of these babies were geniuses. Just because babies can talk doesn't mean they're geniuses, I think no. is what you're trying to say. And I that mean, is very the, true. You're setting the bar kind of low there if that's what you're considering. Yeah. Uh, at least it's only an hour and a half. That's another positive. That is another there's positive. There's nothing good about this movie. At least Scott Bayo got punched in the face, but that's only three seconds. Yeah. 
Yeah, unless it's an entire movie. Unless it's an entire movie of Scott Bale getting his face punched in, that would be <coughs> yes. great. But there's nothing good about this film. John Voight is a literal Nazi doing experiments on children. Man, that movie is awesome. I really want to do it now. Just two hours. Like the predecessor oh, of the movie Ass. But just a, just basically Scott Baio's face and just... Punch, 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 punch. For two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be hypnotic so, and spellbinding. Scott Baio's character in this film... It, it seemed familiar, and I was trying to, like, put my finger on it, and then it hit me. Um, he acts in this film. He carries himself in this film. Exactly like Jonah from the TV show Superstore. Okay. Great show on NBC, but that's basically Scott Bayo's character. He's a little bit, I don't know, nebbish? I guess yeah. you could say. But yeah, he was basically doing a Jonah from Superstore. I, I, Vanessa Angel is also in this. She was a sex pot eye candy actress that popped up a lot in the 90s. She was, they did a, they did a TV show based on the movie Weird Science. And they, yeah. couldn't get, they couldn't get the woman from the movie. So they got Vanessa Angel half naked in it, and it lasted for more seasons than it should solely on the fact that Vanessa Angel was very attractive in the 90s. She was also the romantic interest, interest in the lowbrow bowling comedy Kingpin, which I never liked. I, I've never actually seen that. It's a Fairly Brothers movie at the peak of the Fairly Brothers, so like, oh... Here's a 10-minute shit sequence. Oh, no. So somebody has a boner. Oh, but they've got to meet their grandmother. Like, like that sort of shit. Yeah. You know? So... 13-year-old boy shit. Yeah. So, like, it, it really looked... It, so she was very big in the 90s, and she popped up all over the place, but I imagine... Her career is definitely faltering if she went from acting in uh, uh, Kingpin with Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray to being Scott Baio's wife in 2004. Yeah. That's not a star on the rise, is what I'm saying. No. Also, how excited were you, Bunny, to see the cameo 37 minutes in? by popular boy band O-Town. Is that was, who they were? Was, were they actually someone? Yeah, they were legendary boy band O-Town, formed in the year 2000 on a reality show called Making the Band. I know you're a big O-Town <coughs> fan. You don't have to hide that from me. It's all right. Yeah. I know you're excited to first go, what, Whoopi Goldberg? How did they get her other than waving a check? And then, what? Whoopi Goldberg and O-Town? Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So, um, fun Whoopi, fact. Whoopi Goldberg was a surprise, but not really, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
And then, and then, and then in the movie, they called her Whoops. Yes. She's Whoops. Oh, how cute is that? that and has that she ever is... done a, uh, another movie in the franchise? No, no, but we'll be. Uh, no, yeah. but we will be getting to the franchise in a little bit. Okay, so, so here's a fun... So we may assume that she did not appreciate being called Whoops. Probably not, yeah. yeah. Probably not. But, wow, it's really shocking to see Whoopi Goldberg in this movie. Usually she does good movies, like that one where she was a cop with a T-Rex. Yes. She makes such good career choices. What is she doing in a bad film? Yeah. So, uh, fun fact. When a bad movie comes along and reviewers start tearing into this bad movie, there's usually one or two movie reviewers who will go against the current and be like, okay, sure, the room is bad, but uh, it is really fun to watch in a bad sort of way. When you see it as a comedy... This is a wonderful film. Usually, most films, even if it's a horrible piece of shit, will have a few good reviews. Yeah. Uh, as a result, there have only been 44 movies that have gotten 0% ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. In, in all of the films that have been reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes, only 44 films have gotten a 0%, meaning that no one wrote a single favorable review. Yeah. Now, I have a small sample of some of the movies that got zero positive reviews. And uh, I think most of them you will recognize, and I think you'll agree. So uh, let's just go down the list. Staying Alive, the John Travolta film. Okay. Not a single good review. Bo Derek's Bolero. Oh my god. Not a single yeah. good review. Is that where the theme to Bolero is from? What? That song. That, no, that's, that song that, is, that is called Bolero. No, Bolero's for, uh, I think it's part of Carmen. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, because, cause like, okay. Because I was like, that'd be weird if one of the worst <laughs> films of all time had a very iconic... But if we want to go there, it's, it's from oh, Carmen, God. but it became know. popularized in the movie Ten with Dudley Moore and Bo Derek. There you go. And she became okay, so thank attached you. to the song... That they gave her a movie named Bolero. Yeah. There you go. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that got zero positive reviews. Uh, Jaws the Revenge, which I have issues with. We have been over that. Yes. I have issues. That is something I have learned this summer. Uh, what else? Highlander 2, The Quickening. Okay. Wagons East, which was John Candy's last film, I thought the premise of that film was cute. That you have to think. I can kind of, I can kind of deal with Highlander: The Quickening. Yeah. Okay. If you, but I always like if you just roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I always, I always like the premise of Wagon East. Like you had to think that so many, so many people were headed west to to find gold and to to be successful. You got to think there were some people who were like, "This is fucking horrible. Can we go back?" Yeah. Like I like that concept. I think that's a good concept. Uh, Simon Says, spelled S-E-Z, starring Dennis Rodman. There's a reason why Dennis Rodman is not known as an action superstar, and that reason is the movie Simon Says. Ballistics X vs. Sever, which used to be on the IMDb Bottom 100, but is not anymore. Adam Sandler's The Ridiculous Six, which I have not seen. Yes. Amber, have you seen The Ridiculous Six? No? Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, the 2016... I, I heard watching The Ridiculous Six could put you in the hospital. Yeah, that's not surprising. That is not surprising. Uh, what else? The 2016 remake of Cabin Fever. John Travolta's 2018 film, Gaudy. And it should come as no surprise, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. <laughs> but here's the thing this movie is so bad it's not just a bad movie it is a notoriously bad movie and for a very long time this movie had the number one spot as the absolute worst movie of all time yeah. so um, it's so notoriously bad that I think that when it was released on DVD it was a bit of a success I think it was such a bomb that it caused morbid curiosity. And so I believe that even though it bombed at the box office, that this made a decent chunk of change when it was released to DVD because they made three more movies. Oh, man. There's Baby Geniuses in 1999. There's Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2 in 2004. Then they wait almost a decade and in 2013 they come out with baby geniuses and the mystery of the crown jewels direct to video the next year baby geniuses and the treasures of egypt the next year baby geniuses and the space baby and surprise surprise all of them (coughs) feature john voight and skylar shay Oh. But not Whoopi Goldberg. No. She, no doubt, upset that they called her whoops. Don't anyone call her whoops. <coughs> then she gets PTSD. <coughs> PTSD. Post-traumatic stress babies. They also filmed a one-season live-action TV series called, and I hate this, Baby Geniuses BSI. Baby scene investigator. Okay. It's like CSI, but it's with babies. You get it? It's hilarious. It aired in foreign markets like Australia and Italy, but it never aired in the United States. Yay! Yay! Yeah. But there's a television series out there somewhere, so that's fucking weird. So who's the target market here? I guess foreigners? I guess foreigners who don't understand America? I guess yeah. that's what this is the target for now. But yeah, they made five 
Baby Geniuses movie, and that's astounding to me, especially since this movie bombed so hard. The first film in 1999 cost $12 million to make, so, so and it made a decent chunk of change, so they upped the budget for the second one. The second one cost $20 million to make, and it premiered at the box office in 11th place. Oh. It made $9 million at the box office, and to be clear, that was worldwide. Oh. So it was a spectacular bomb. This movie sucks, and there is nothing good about it. It hurt my soul, this movie. There's one part where I got excited. I'm picturing... Okay, bear with me here a second. Okay. I'm picturing basically a Turkish prison. Is Recep Ivadik there? At least... He may be one of the guards. One of the guards, yeah. And like his two guards was a guard are dragging died. somebody, kicking and screaming. Yeah. And they're dragging him to see a baby genius movie. That's no! Good. No! Not that! Not that! Anything but that! Please! Show me Recep Eva D12! <laughs> so, uh. The ending is really painful to watch when all the babies get powers and there's ridiculous fights. But I got excited because one of the baby's powers is is that she's like Cupid and she has arrows that make people fall in love and she hits two guys in the butt. And I got excited and I was like, oh my god, are they going to kiss? Are you going to have like a gay kiss in the middle of... Is super babies, baby geniuses too, but instead they turn around, they turn to each other kind of high and go, "I love you, man. I love you too." And they faint. And uh, maybe it's just me. I was kind of hoping they fuck. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that they, they'd like they turn, did, they just and the next it. thing you know, they start making out, and then boom, onto the fisting. Yeah. <laughs> But instead, they played it safe, and they just said, I love you, man, and fainted. I just thought, uh, a real opportunity to sort of change, shift the paradigm. Yes. You know? But no, oh, I love you, man. I'm going to faint. Okay. It, they really could have just been like, you're hot as fuck. And then the other guy starts saying that romantic monologue from, uh, from what's, that, what's that movie that you really, really like? from uh, Netflix. The old guard, yeah. Oh. Suddenly, suddenly both of the guys turn and it's like, you are my moon. You are my sun. I don't remember the monologue, but that, that, was, my, that was my attempt. <laughs> it's, it, it, here's all you need to know about Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. The credits are in Comic Sans. Yes. Comic Sans! Uh-huh. That's all you need to know. Right there. That's all you need to know. Period. Uh, so that's all I got. Do you have anything else? This movie is shit. This movie is shit, yeah. I. Mm, movie is, there's yeah. N- no redeeming qualities about this at all. No. Uh... No. What? What? Oh, God. 
let me brace myself. Fuck! <sighs> Shit. Uh, we're at the end of the movie. Where is that the means okay. that there's one episode left, um, and I'm scared. I am scared. What is it? I am scared for next week. Okay. Here, hold my hand. Okay. okay. Hold my hand. Fuck. Okay. Um, we can do this. This is all the fault of the scary movie franchise. Okay. Okay. So in the year 2000, they decided to make a parody of Scream and other teen horror movies, and it's called Scary Movie, and it's it, it, the first film is pretty funny, and uh, the second film was less funny, the third film was less funny than that. Eventually, you're getting to, like, Scary Movie fucking eight, I don't know, and they're all, like, shit. Yeah. But it... It was the idea at the beginning of the millennia that, hey, parody movies are doing pretty good. Let's rush out a few. So two of the people who wrote Scary Movie started doing parodies throughout the year 2000. In 2006, yeah. they made Date Movie, and it was a parody of romantic comedies. Then after that, they released Epic Movie. With, oh, what? Borat? And Borat is hanging out with Captain Jack Sparrow? But who's that? It's Ted, the foul-mouthed bear. And what? Crispin Glover is as Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka? And oh no, here comes Nacho Libre. This is fucking hilarious. And then uh, they also did a movie called Meet the Spartans, which was a parody of the movie 300. They also yeah. did The Starving Games. Get it? Yeah. Uh, they also did a movie called Vampire Suck, which is like, oh, teen vampire movies. Oh, fucking whatever. In 2008, they made a film called Disaster Movie, and it is the absolute worst. <sighs> I am really scared, but we got to get through it. It's the worst movie of all time. Yeah, I believe in us. We're basically talking Kmart Zucker Brothers. Yes, 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 absolutely. These, my, I, I've seen a few of them. Uh, they're 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 airplane, but bad. Yeah, yeah, they're low budget. The movies seem to me like the sort of movies that would only, that they would never be released in theaters and it wouldn't even be released in stores. You just see a commercial at 1 a.m. for the not-so-teen comedy film not available in stores, only available right now. So call this 1-800 number. It features Lou Ferrigno taking a shit. You know, like... One of those movies that you would see a commercial for at 1 a.m. at like 2002, and it stars the Sham Wow guy. Yeah. Yeah. Except these ones got into theaters. It's all the things that I hate about uh, Kingpin and Dumb and Dumber, but turned up to 11. This film <laughs> goes to 11. And. I'm not looking forward to this. Fun fact about these movies, these, these aren't even parodies of the movies. In order to keep up with movies that were being released, 
they would write these movies based on the trailers. Yeah. So they have a Juno character in this movie before Juno even came out. <laughs> this is a character of Juno based on a preview. Because they don't want to be out of date by the time the movie eventually comes out in theaters. So these are the worst characterizations of movies that they didn't even see. And okay. Kim Kardashian is in this. Oh, no. So this is going to be painful next week. I'm well, well that's, right that's, that's it. I think that's it. That's I've got to make that another rule of mine. You know, much like if there's a monkey in a movie... It gets an automatic two points. If there's a yeah. Kardashian or Paris Hilton, I gotta deduct two points. Yeah, negative negative twenty Pope on film tokens. Yes, we're doing Pope on film tokens now. I totally didn't steal this from a YouTuber. So uh, Birdemic gets gets. 20 Pope on Film tokens for trying. Uh, this week's film, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, gets one Pope on Film token for having Scott Bayo get punched in the face. But already, next week's film, uh, Disaster Movie, gets like negative 10 Pope on Film tokens, and we haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> so who knows where, where they're going to be. But that's next week. It's already available on our shared cough cough. This is going to be difficult, and I apologize. But I swear, for a while after this, for September, before it turns over to you for your birthday month, I'm going to try and make it some upbeat shit. Okay. To Good. make up for this horrible summer. Some fun movies that we'll actually enjoy. So, I I'm planning uh, some interesting movies. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. I gotta hand it to you, Bunny. It's so much better because of you that I can now say, oh, The Green Mile, beautiful film, reminds me in many ways of The Holy Mountain. <laughs> you know, Jordorowski's epic film. Yes. So lush and beautifully filmed. And it's so, so, like, that makes me seem a lot more of a movie buff than I actually am on Twitter, so thank you for that. Well, uh, and, and Uptown Saturday Night. Yeah, yeah, Uptown Saturday yeah. Night. Uh, yeah, uh, I try to go different places, places where we do not normally go, and try to highlight something or some things in cinema that maybe are getting a little overlooked. I was watching either some movie or some TV show, and it was set in like the 70s or the 80s, and there was a TV on in the background. And anytime I'm watching anything and there's a TV on in the background, I automatically go, ooh, what are they watching? What are they watching? What are yeah. they watching? Did they create something original, or is that, is, that, is that this old movie? And I was watching something, and I don't remember what it was watching, but I was so excited to go, 
Fuck, they're watching Cotton Comes to Harlem! Yeah! God damn, I love that movie! Cotton Comes to Harlem! I was really, I was really proud of myself for being able to point that out. So. Yeah. Always look forward to October's Good Sir. Thank you. But before we get there, fuck, we've got to watch the worst movie of all time. Yes, we do. So that's next week, the shocking conclusion to our summer long... But then we will be heroes. Let's keep this in mind. We will be heroes. We will be. We will be heroes for having gotten through all of this. You're not bad movie fans. We're bad movie fans. Badass bad movie fans. We can do this. We can do this. We got this. No problems. No, but some problems. This is going to hurt. But we can do this. Yeah. We got this. That's next week. So join us next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, oh, man. The highs and the lows, the ups and the downs. I cried a little bit. Skylar Shane is uh, John Voight's goddaughter. Uh, two Murrays. Free guy, Maxwell's not in class, and he doesn't like eating crickets. Uh, I gotta say, I think, I think that this has been a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I I felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes because I feel like you're the person who gives the episode of classification and I, I didn't want to hamper what I believe is your job on this podcast but yes, I I concur with your statement good sir thumbs up Maxwell, that's cool uh, I had one like this uh, but it wasn't an iron, an iron sweater and you had to give it to Ellert yeah, you have good it oh yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> so until right next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Natasha and Maxwell and Eleanor and Jaden and Bella and everybody else in this house. I would just like to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Thank you, Bella. And you iron spider. And you cookie with cream. Nice. Do 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 do. This is the outro. Do 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 do. Skidip pop the doo wow. Cut. And print. And what it? Cut. And print.